Good morning again. Uh, I am excited about this new teaching series that we're going to start just this morning. Uh, it's a teaching series that we're calling Cloud of Witnesses. Uh, and the, the title that we got from is actually from the book of uh, Hebrews. Book of Hebrews chapter 12 actually says this. It says, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The writer of Hebrews says this phrase, this cloud of witnesses. What, what he's saying is simply that we're not the first per- people to try to follow Jesus. We're not the first group of people that are trying to mark out a life of faithfulness and righteousness and goodness and holiness in our life. There's a cloud, there's a group of people, of witnesses that testify to the life of God that have gone before us. That there are thousands of, of years of faithful people who have sought to follow the things of God that have gone before us. And the writer of Hebrews calls them a cloud of witnesses. And because we have such a cloud of witnesses, then we can run with perseverance, the race has marked out for us. We can run and be encouraged by people who have journeyed the road of faith before us. We can be encouraged to walk our faith, in other words, because there are thousands of years of history of people who have sought to be faithful to the call of God in their life. So this series, these few weeks here, we're going to explore a people or a, a person, different person each week. We're going to explore a little bit of their life and what their wisdom and how it is that they were able to, to live a significant life in the kingdom of God in their way. And hopefully their life would be an encouragement to us. Now admittedly, we're going to spend one week on each person. So we're not going to know their whole story or I can't give you everything. But we're going to just kind of get a flyover of what it was about them and how we might glean from them some wisdom about how to live our life the way Jesus was would live it if he were us. And we can take deep walks of faith in this. Now wherever you are in your life with Jesus, if you've been following Jesus for decades or, or maybe just a few minutes, or maybe you feel like you and Jesus are, are really close, like you're walking hand in hand, or maybe you feel like you and God are, are distant and, and maybe are, are not hearing him very much these days. Wherever you are in your life with God, I pray that this series, as we walk, as we listen to men and women of old and their stories, that they would be an encouragement to you, that you would find encouragement to run with perseverance the life that God has marked out for you. And we would do that by looking at this cloud of witnesses, these men and women who have walked before us and gleaned from them wisdom as we go. We'll look at one person each week as we go for that, and hopefully take steps of deep faith to deepen our life with God. With all that being said, let me pray, and then I'll introduce you to the one we're going to look at this morning. Jesus, we are grateful that you have met us already, and that you are leading us to an abiding life with you. I pray that as we look back on these stories, that they would equip us with wisdom from on high. That we would live our life in the reality of your good kingdom right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to introduce you to a man named, who might be 
the most impactful person in the entire New Testament. The most impactful person in the entire New Testament. Now, that's a big statement, but I hopefully will explore it a little bit with you. Now, if you're familiar with the story, in particular the story of God in the book of Acts, because this is where we'll find our man of the day, you will know the, the lots of important people in the book of Acts. And if you're thinking of the story of Acts, you're probably thinking that I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is an influential, certainly one of the most influential people of the church. But I'm not talking about the Apostle Paul today. I'm talking about a guy that we'll introduce, find introduced in the book of Acts. A guy by the name of Joe. Joe. His life as founder, we're introduced to Joe, this most impactful person in the early church, introduced to Joe in Acts chapter 4. And then we're going to lead us all the way through. If you have a Bible, you may open it to Acts chapter 4. And then we're going to kind of thumb through a little bit. But we'll find our story started in Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37. Here it reads like this. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. His name was Joseph, but the apostles had given him a nickname, Barnabas. The nickname really means the one who always encourages us, the great encourager. Barnabas's encouragement strengthened the church and it altered the trajectory of people's lives for the better. And his impact in the early church has been felt for thousands of years ever since. So this morning, I want to highlight three ways that Joe, Barnabas, the great encourager, encouraged others in their life with Jesus, in their life with God. And I hope that some of these might inspire us or equip us to become the kind of great encouragers that God needs us to become. But before I jump into all those, there's a great principle at work in Barnabas' life that is worth considering in our life as it relates to our life with God and our life in general. And that is that there's a principle of the small things adding up. The small things that you do on a regular basis add up. For good or for ill, the small things over time done add up. Small things add up. When Gina and I were first married, we had a a jar on our counter that we would just throw all of our loose change in. Remember loose change when you used to get those, when you actually use cash, you know, remember those things? Pennies and nickels and dimes and those kinds of things. And we would just grab any loose change and we'd just throw it in the jar, just leave it on the counter, not thinking anything of it. Loose pennies and nickels, that kind of stuff. Nothing that really were significant in and of themselves. We just threw it in the jar and just kept on going. Kept the cash and threw all the coins in the jar. In and of themselves, little tiny coins meant very little. But over a period of time, the small things began to add up and are just deal of just a little coins every day, just tossing them in the jar, tossing them in the jar. Over a period of time, we took that jar, cashed it out, and Gene and I would go multiple times. We'd go on date nights and go out to dinner, go to the movies, paid all by just this loose change tossed in a jar because the small things over time add up. 
That's the same principle that we're going to see in Barnabas' life. Right? The small things of encouragement, becoming a person of encouragement, and the small things that Barnabas was able to do over a period of time had a tremendous impact in the lives of those around him and in the church and in historical life. Lots of us want to live significant lives and we want to do big, meaningful things and we mistakenly think if we're going to do a big, meaningful things, we need to do one big, massive splash in the water. But it's the small things done regularly every day that add up, both for the good and for the ill. It's the small things that we'll see in Barnabas' life that hopefully will encourage us in ours. So this morning, I want to take a look at the wisdom that we see in Barnabas' life of the small things of learning to live a life of encouragement to those around us. How do we encourage others in their life with Jesus? To be a part of the cloud of witnesses that can encourage someone to run with perseverance the race marked out for them. How can we step in line and follow the way of Barnabas to become a person who lives as a life of encouragement and to live with this great impact, great impact. The first way that Barnabas demonstrates a life of becoming an encourager is in the verses we just read in Acts chapter 4. You see, you see the, the, the encouragement that, gen, or that Barnabas brings by bringing generosity, by being someone with generous spirit. The church in Jerusalem, we're told, is struggling at this time. They are really struggling. There's a famine in the area, and the church is struggling to know how they're going to make ends meet. They don't know how they're going to care and serve and pr- provide for the various people that are coming to get their needs met. And the place, Jerusalem, the headquarters of the church, the place that Jesus was crucified, the center of the Christian movement, was in danger of losing steam, danger of fading away, danger of collapsing in and of itself. The church was hurting. And enter Barnabas. Because when the church was hurting, Barnabas, through his generosity, sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and I love this phrase, laid it at the apostles' feet. It was as if he said to the apostles, do with it what you want. I just want you to know we're in this together. What an encouragement. What an encouragement through generosity to know when someone is struggling, to know when someone is is going through it, to just come not with an agenda, not with I'm going to do this so you can give back to me, but with just simply I'm going to lay it at your door. I do with it what you will. But I want you to know that I'm with you. And we're going to do this together. An act of generosity from Barnabas to the church in Jerusalem really encouraged them. See, one of the reasons that we give as as a church body and individually and families, Gina and I, and I know many of you, one of the reasons that we give to missionaries, to ministry partners, one of the reasons we give financially to them 
says, yeah, I know they've got bills to pay, and I know it's difficult. And yes, it's an act of obedience and devotion to God. It's an act of worship agreed 100%. But it also serves to encourage them. Because the work of missionary work and the work in church ministry and the work in, in ministry partners in our world can be difficult work. And we want to be people who encourage those who are working the work of God in the world. And we want to encourage by generously giving and supporting. So individually, Gina and I and our family, as a church family, many of you are generous, learning to be generous with our things. I got a text message just a couple weeks ago from one of our ministry partners, Greg Rosler. He's the executive director of Playmakers. They work with high school athletes to develop compassion and integrity in them by providing camps, football camps, for kids with special needs. We've done a couple of them here, and they do them all over the country. Well, I'm sure we'll do another one this spring. But he sent me a text message a couple weeks ago, a video text message. And in this video, he's visibly moved in his face, and you can hear it in his voice because he had just received the contribution gift that we as a church sent over to him. And it wasn't about the the amount. It was just to know that a church in Lima, Ohio, is supporting the ministry that he's doing all over the country. It wasn't about all this amount of money. It was about the fact of generous spirit was coming. It was an encouragement, and you could hear it in his voice, and you could see it in his face. Over the years, our church staff has sought to be an encouragement to some local teachers, some of the schools around, but just by bringing lunch once a year. We bring a food truck over, and we provide lunch for them. Or we bring donuts in the morning for breakfast uh, uh, once a year, just to tell them, hey, we just want you to know we're here. It's just breakfast. It's just lunch. It's a small thing, but the small things begin to add up. And we receive letters and messages and notes every time, conversations we have with teachers about the difference a donut can make. Can you imagine that? A donut or a taco, right? The difference that can make in in the life of an exhausted teacher To know that someone sees them enough to be generous with their time. We show up for the day. We bring them something. It's just a donut, right? But the small things add up. As a church, by the way, you should just know this. As a church, we've seen both sides of this equation. Both be, we have been the ones who have brought encouragement by generosity. And we are ones at times on the recipient side of generosity, where people bring their gifts and they lay them at their feet and they say, do with it what you want. I can't tell you what that does to us. How it fuels us to know that we can do this because we're doing this together. I can't even explain to you the encouragement that happens when we see generosity. But it's not just for the church. It's not just to be a part of a church that's growing in generosity. It's not just for missionaries who need to be encouraged along the way. It's not just for that. And it certainly doesn't have to be financial. It could be a note. It could be agreeing to watch someone's kids so they can go out on a much-needed date night. Right? It could be just simply that. 
It could be simply walking with someone, letting them know that you're there. Part of living in the kingdom with kingdom wisdom is becoming an encouraging person to encourage them in the race marked out for them by God. Perhaps we as individuals and families, maybe we can grow in this this year. Barnabas' encouragement started with generosity, to be generous, but it didn't stay there. It didn't stay there. If you have your Bible, it's still open. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. And before we get to Acts chapter 9, let me explain what's going to happen between Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 9. Because in those chapters, we're going to meet a man named Saul of Tarsus. Now Saul of Tarsus was a devout Pharisee, passionate about the things of God. So passionate, in fact, that he saw this Christian sect of Judaism, something that was a fringe issue and needed to be dealt with, severely dealt with. And he prided himself on persecuting these new Christians, throwing them in jail. And he even oversaw the very first martyr of the Christian church, a man named Stephen. Saul of Tarsus was a formidable force against the Christian movement, the Christian church. And he was on his way to a, to a place called Damascus to put down the Christian uprising in that city when he met the risen Christ. When Christ met him on the road to Damascus and he spoke to him and he interacted with grace. And in that powerful interaction, Saul of Tarsus, his eyes were opened. Jesus changes his name and he becomes Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's baptized and he becomes a very influential, powerful leader in the early church, boldly preaching about Jesus as the only Son of God, the way in which we experience eternal life. And then we pick up Saul or Paul, we pick up his story now in Acts chapter 9. And it comes to this. When he, this is Paul, Saul Paul, right? When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I mean, can you blame him, right? Saul had just killed people, persecuted, thrown them in jail, right? You can really just imagine. They knew his history, what he had done before. They were not going to trust that he had actually changed his life. They weren't going to trust and invite him to come in to join their new church. Enter Barnabas to the story. Here comes Barnabas. Pick up the story again. Barnabas took him and brought him to the the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas encouraged the church by generosity, but here I want to see another aspect of encouragement, and that comes from Barnabas's welcome. Welcome. Barnabas does something really powerful here. He acts as this kind of connecting piece between between Saul or Paul and the new church. It's like he, he puts his arm around Paul, and he comes to the apostles, and he vouches for him. And he says, no, 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 you don't know his story. He's a changed man. 
And he invites the apostles and the church to accept him. Barnabas puts his own reputation on the line in order to cross over an aisle and welcome someone else into the family. Now maybe Paul would have stayed around. He's a strong guy. Maybe he would have stayed around Jerusalem. Maybe he would have tried to argue his way to demonstrate how he'd really changed and, and to prove his point. Maybe he would have stayed around. Or maybe the cold shoulders he experienced at the church would have been too much. And he just would have given up on the Jerusalem church and he would have left. Maybe the cold shoulders he would have experienced would have been too much. The closed doors would have been too much. And maybe he would have just given up on the faith walk altogether. I have no idea. But Barnabas, through an act of courageous welcome, makes a tremendous impact in the life of Paul. Welcomes him. Brings him in. And that's relevant for us in our church because we all have areas of our life that we're not proud of. We all have areas of shame and guilt that we carry with us from past mistakes. Though some of us are really good at hiding it, pushing it way down, we all carry those in. And sometimes we fear that our mistakes and our shame and our guilt might exclude us from fellowship in the church. There are people in any given Sunday, there are people who are one or two visits away from leaving the church because they never feel welcome. They're made to feel like an outsider, like a mistake, all the shame. And they're beginning to wonder if anyone or if God even cares. Until a Barnabas shows up and puts his or her arm around that person and welcomes them in and invites them in, helps them feel loved and accepted even before they have it all figured out, even before they've done it all. Now, I talk to a lot of people at our church, especially those who are newer, as I'm getting to know newer families, trying to get to know what's going on. And usually one of the questions I ask is, what made you choose Crossroads? There are hundreds of churches maybe thousands in the surrounding area. And some people travel quite a ways to come to our church, right? It's not just because it's the most convenient. So why is it that you chose Crossroads? And I hear lots of reasons and lots of fun stories I could tell you about some of those. But one of the most prevalent or main reason that I hear is because someone welcomed them. Someone helped them feel more like family. Someone remembered their name. Someone walked over on the question of the day and interacted with them. Someone was a Barnabas to them. Now, we're certainly not perfect at this. I, I don't want to paint the rose-colored glasses that we do this perfectly all the time. I'm sure that there are people who, who walk out of these doors and only a few people talk with them. And that is unfortunate. But our desire is to become the kind of place that is extending a welcome to people where people feel more like family regardless of your past mistakes or any shame or any guilt that you carry with you. That one of our goals is to fill this place with the wisdom of Barnabas to extend a welcome. Changes the life of Paul. Changes the directory of the church. 
of the trajectory of the church in Jerusalem. But one more example from Barnabas's life, and that's how to live a life demonstrated of encouragement, and that is the example of second chances. Example of second chances. Sometime after this Jerusalem interaction, Paul and Barnabas, they become partners in ministry, leaders in the church, and the leadership of the church begin to set them apart on a missionary journey. They pray over them, lay hands on them, and send them off on one of their first missionary journeys. And they take with them a young man by the name of John Mark. Now John Mark was passionate about the things of Christ and excited to be with Paul and Barnabas, leaders in the church, to be on this first missionary journey, to be chosen to be with them and to go off on this, on this extravagant life and to do this with Paul and to do it with Barnabas. But all the missionary trips and all the stuff that was going on proved to be too much for John Mark. We don't know all the reasons, but John Mark left early. He returned. He didn't finish out on the mission trip. Paul and Barnabas, they finished out on their trip without John Mark. He just kind of goes away. Sometime later, Paul and Barnabas decide that they're going to go back to the, visit these cities and these churches that they had planted, and they have a little bit of a disagreement on how they're going to go. So we pick up the story now in Acts chapter 15 of Paul and Barnabas. Sometime later, Paul says to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and that not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus, But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Paul doesn't want to take John Mark because John Mark quit on them earlier. He just up and left. And we don't know all the reasons why, but he didn't finish out the trip. And Paul thought it was too risky to kind of bring this guy back around. What kind of message is it going to send if you bring somebody who quit on us first? And so Paul doesn't want that. But enter Barnabas. He does what he's always done. And he acts as an encouragement. And he plays the role of encourager in the life of John Mark. And he gives him a second chance. Now Paul and Barnabas have strong disagreement. They go different ways. And so Paul and and Silas, they lead off and they do their own trips and they go on there. But Barnabas, he takes John Mark. And they go on there a different way. And John Mark has a tremendous impact with Barnabas on this next missionary journey. So it was a good thing to bring John Mark on Barnabas' trip. Later we'll, tell, we'll know in the story that, that, that Paul and John Mark actually reconcile their differences. And Paul will see John Mark as an equal co-laborer in the church. But it was because Barnabas gave him a second chance. Second chance. But there's an even greater impact of John Mark's life. Not only does John Mark have a profound impact with Barnabas on the trip, and not only does he reconcile with Paul later, but John Mark, well, he would be the one who would write the gospel of Mark. He would be the one who writes the story of Jesus in the gospel. That makes me wonder, doesn't it? What would have happened to the story of the church if there wasn't a Barnabas? What would have happened to the church in Jerusalem 
would there even be a church in Jerusalem if it wasn't for Barnabas? What would have happened to Paul? Would there even be an Apostle Paul without Barnabas? Would we even have the Gospel of Mark to be able to read and study and learn about the life of Jesus if there wasn't a Barnabas? Small things of encouragement along the way add up. Barnabas demonstrates the lasting impact of a life of an encouragement and that that does in our life. So I simply want to leave us with just one very simple thought for us to consider here. Who's been a Barnabas for you? Who's encouraged you in your life of God? That you're not sure wherever you are in your life of Christ, with Christ, you're not sure where you'd be if it wasn't for this Barnabas. Maybe they encouraged you through generosity. Right? Maybe they extended a welcome and they invited you in to join volleyball or join basketball or join a life group or join serving in some place or some other thing that they brought you in. Or maybe, maybe your Barnabas offered you a second chance and they demonstrated grace to you that could only be really inspired by the Holy Spirit. Who's been your Barnabas? Would you be where you are without a Barnabas interacting in your life? See, I think the health of our church in the coming years won't just be about the events and the services and the things, as important as those are. I think one of the markers of the health of our church in the coming year will be the existence of present-day Barnabases filling this place, who through our generosity and our welcome and our second chances that we make a tremendous impact in the Lima, Allen County region, far reaching, not because of some big massive splash, but because of everyday choices, the small things of choosing to be an encourager in someone's life, that that would catapult us to a season of great impact in this region. See, great wisdom from Barnabas. The small things of encouragement really begin to make a deep impact. I think Barnabas is perhaps the most impactful person in the New Testament, in the new church. Paul's got a lot of influence, wrote a lot of the New Testament for sure. But where would Paul be without Barnabas? Let's pray together. Jesus, we are humbled by your grace. And we are grateful for the Barnabases in our life. And I pray that we would have eyes to see people to whom we can become Barnabas, the great encourager. That our church and that our place would be known by the small things of encouragement 
that we would join our voice with the cloud of witnesses to help men and women and young people run the race with perseverance that you have marked out for them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.